I'm Pete Seligman. Welcome to Season 3 of my podcast, The Next Step. This year, the Australian ETA and Search Fund community is looking forward to its first big event for the region. The ETA Forum will be held at the Manly Pacific Hotel on Manly Beach in Sydney on Friday the 16th of September. In the lead up to the event, I'll be interviewing the speakers and moderators to give you some insight into the experience, capability and knowledge that will be on offer when we all come together for the first time. Please stay tuned as we count down the days and be sure to yell out if you have any questions or comments to offer so we can make the ETA Forum a great event for all involved. Now let's jump into this episode of The Next Step. I think probably the missing bit of the picture, which would be just wonderful to get, and that will really turbocharge the investor interest, is a couple of stories of investments that have gone well. It'd be nothing better for this market to say, you know, Jane bought this business, at the end of a traditional search, she got a great board around her, she got a great team of investors around her, and four years later it was bought by a multinational for X, and now she spends her days investing in other searches. Because I think at the moment, though people can point to those stories in the European market, Canadian market, the US market, it just doesn't have the same ring to it as being a local domestic story. In this episode of The Next Step, I speak to Tim Moore, who's director at Dorado Capital. Tim originally was a self-funded searcher back in the early 2000s, and then after exiting the business that he originally bought, has then moved on to invest in a range of activities, including property, infrastructure, and small business. More recently, he's been an active investor in the search fund market in Australia and also internationally. Recently, Dorado also raised the first Australian fund focused on search funds, and they raised $10 million worth of capital and have already deployed a proportion of that over the last 12 months. At the ETA Forum in September, Tim's going to be delivering the keynote speech in which he's going to give a kind of state of play of search in Australia and New Zealand and give us an update on his perspective as an investor, an active investor in the marketplace and what he sees now and into the future. I had a great time catching up with Tim in this episode, learn a bit about what he's been up to in the last 12 months and have a bit of a chat about what we each expect everyone to be able to get from the session that we all join together in the ETA forum in a couple of weeks time. Hope you enjoy it. Morning, Tim. Thanks very much for joining us on this next episode of the podcast. It's great to have you with us. Thanks, Pete. Looking forward to chatting. As we were saying kind of before we got on, I'm really excited to be catching up with each of the speakers for the forum that's coming up next month because it's an opportunity really to get up to speed with what everyone's seeing in the marketplace, but then also get a bit of a taste of what we expect to hear from them at the forum. One of the great things about the topic area that you're picking up on to kick off the day, actually, with the keynote speech is a bit of a summary of what we've seen in the market over the last couple of years. So maybe what we might start with is just the experience that you've had in in this calendar year and what you're seeing in the search market recently. Sure. I mean, one of the things that excites me, Pete, about the forum is we're so used to having conversations with people where the starting point is, what's a search fund? How does it work? And you're kind of going through all the basics. It's just going to be a pleasure to be with 100, 120 people who actually know all of this stuff. So rather than going through the basics, we can really fiddle around and and tease it out a bit more fully. Um, Going back, obviously, we were attracted to search as an asset class and um, it was a privilege to be able to close the first fund in Australia that was dedicated to search. Uh, Look, it's a very small fund. We've got $10 million um, and we're up and running uh, which is great. We, we've 
uh, invested one and a half million so far in 11 investments and got a couple of acquisitions. So it's all sort of underway. Um, I think things have progressed so much in the last two years, the last year, um, that it's a great cause for optimism. But the reality is this is still a very fledgling asset class and there's a long journey to go. Um, and I think chatting a little bit about some of that, some of the the bones of how it comes together and how family offices and others think about search and where it fits into their sort of PE asset allocations and things is some of the things that we can chat about a bit um, in that presentation. But mm. no, I think that uh, things are going well. Obviously, you always want more people on the phone saying, I'm a bright young guy who's just returned with a freshly minted uh, MBA from IESA or Harvard or Stanford, and I'm mad keen to get into search. You know, the more of them, the better. Mm. And in that regard, the, the thing that I was going to, one thing that we've touched on with a couple of different people in, in the market is that balance between um, effectively the three pieces of the puzzle being how many businesses there are available to buy, how many entrepreneurs we have to run them, and then how much investment we have to back those entrepreneurs in those three parts. You know, one of the things that probably we, I don't think we ever have, and it'll be a long time before we do start to scrape the bottom of the barrel in terms of businesses available to buy. Like it feels like there's still a long, a long way to go there. But I know that a couple of years ago, if you were to ask the searchers that were trying to raise funds how easy it was, they would have said quite tough domestically. You know, the, the, as you were saying, the, the investor market domestically here um, was struggling to keep up because there just wasn't the knowledge about the asset class or, or the appetite, really. Whereas now I feel like we've got quite a buoyant domestic investor group um, that's keen to try and find searches to back. Um, and so now I'm kind of sensing a bit of a tipping point where, just as you said, then, you know, we are keen for more entrepreneurs to, to come to the market. Um, where do you see that balance struck at the moment and, and kind of over the next 12 months in terms of the balance between investments, uh, investors available to fund and entrepreneurs available to execute? Look, first, I would absolutely agree with you on the businesses side. Um, I was driving the other day down one of the streets in an industrial area and um, the guy I was with said to me, look, the reality is here probably... 15% of the businesses here are major national listed or international businesses, but 85% of the businesses on this street are privately owned. Mm. And very few of those businesses will have proprietors who want their kids in the business. At the end of the day, every one of these businesses will be sold. And that's, you, you know, when you kind of do that on one street, you really realize how, how deep that is. Going back to your balance question, I think the interesting thing is there are two things at play, I think, in the mind of investors. The first is what alternatives are we walking away from to deploy capital into this? Mm. And if you think about a period not very long ago when some of those people were raising money, they were going and sitting down with family offices who were licking their chops, having had venture cap funds and uh, share market portfolios performing like rocket ships mm. and congratulating themselves about how smart they were. A lot of that's changed. You know, there's been a lot of markdowns in the venture cap space. There's a lot of um, tech companies who've got very low residual cash holdings and realise they're going to have to go out and, and, and dramatically re revise down valuations. And there's a lot of nervousness. And similarly, there's even though the performance in August has been good, 
Um, there's a fair bit of nervousness about the listed uh, listed markets. So I think that's been fabulous for people looking to raise funds because suddenly it's, you know, hey, let's have a chat. I think probably the missing bit of the picture, which would be just wonderful to get, and that will really turbocharge the investor interest, is a couple of stories of investments that have gone well. It'd be nothing better for this market to say, you know, Jane bought this business at the end of a traditional search. She got a great board around her. She got a great team of investors around her. And four years later, it was bought by a multinational for X. And now she spends her days investing in other searches. Because I think at the moment, though people can point to those stories in the European market, Canadian market, the US market, it just doesn't have the same ring to it as being a local domestic story. Mm. Yeah, and that's really just a matter of time, isn't it? I mean, that and it goes to the comment you made right at the beginning around the maturity of this market, that there is still a way to go. And part of that, you can't rush really, can you? I mean, if if the first acquisitions were only made in the last year or two, there just is the passage of time that needs to pass before we get to the point where we've got those stories to tell. Um, so, I mean, I, I think one of the things that um, I, I'm noticing this year, and hopefully I'll, I'll speak to a couple of people over the last couple of months around acquisitions that are uh, a high likelihood in the next couple of months, and it really is that sweet spot right now because if you if you kind of get it done now, you can get it done before Christmas. If it drifts a little bit much longer, like that October, November, everything gets pushed into next year. And so I feel like if if we can get a couple of those done, <clears throat> then we can add, at least start adding to the list of acquisitions, if not exits, um, to really keep kind of that end of the funnel going. Um, and the other thing that I've noticed really only in the last, maybe even only in the last few weeks, is more potential searchers talking about raising their search capital um, in the second half of this year. Um, what are you seeing in relation to that end of the spectrum, you know, new entrepreneurs um, that, that might be coming to market in, in the next few months? Look, I think that um, we're starting to have the pandemic move slightly into the rearview mirror. There were definitely people who were contemplating this who kind of went, look, if I'm genuinely doing a national search, I'm based in Newcastle, but I'm I'm pretty relaxed to work anywhere. I'm, I've, I've got some sectoral thoughts, but 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 maybe they're not um, strong in my local area. The pandemic was a big issue because they just went, this is this is going to be awkward to move around. Uh, how is it affecting potential vendors with their view on on uh, sale prices, etc.? I think that as that recedes, that that's a positive. I think the second positive is there were a number of people who were overseas who are returning, who are quite valuable in this mix. Maybe they did um, an MBA and, and got a couple of good years' work experience under their belt, but they were kind of reading the tea leaves about how tough Australia was, about uh, borders being closed domestically between the states and various other things, and we're just kind of going, I might not rush back. So I think that that we we should see quite strong uh, entrepreneurial thing with, with as I say both the pandemic receding and some people coming in from overseas. Mm. Yeah, and and hopefully along with that, um, particularly now that we've passed the end of FY twenty two reporting for for that June period, maybe also some vendors that are thinking in the next six months that maybe now with FY twenty two results in their hands rather than twenty one might be the time that they might even think about um, putting, the, thinking about their sale and their exit, which then kind of, you know, bring, brings a bit more of that to market as well. 
Yeah, and I think it sounds ridiculous, but it is amazing how many vendors have a line in the sand around Christmas. Mm. They've often made commitments to spouses or kids. Look, I know the year before last, I promised we we're going to sell mm. this business and we didn't. And I know last year we, we were going to sell it, but it was a pandemic. But when we head off to the beach house on the 27th of December, it's all going to be done and we're going yeah. to go and have a month. We're going to forget about it. And, and I think that's great for the purchasers because you, you've, you've got a bit more motivation, a, a little bit easier to discuss warranties or, or amounts that are retained or whatever, and it, it, it just really pushes it. I do think your point is well made, though. If if you fail to make that, then then you kind of suddenly know that you've pushed this thing off into February at the earliest. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there, there's a big gap. There's a big gap, and you know, it, it also goes to that the search end of the spectrum. I was speaking to someone yesterday who was thinking about starting their search raise in the next couple of months, and I and I made a similar kind of comment. You know, if you, you either get started now and and have a good crack at it before Christmas, but if you really don't get your act together in the next month or two. Don't waste your time in November, December, because you probably won't get anyone's attention. You know, cool your heels for a bit and come back in February because that's when people are going to be thinking about it again. Um, you know, it's it's the same as in the Northern Hemisphere with the the summer holidays in in July, August. You know, everyone everyone kind of turns off for a period of time. So it's funny how those emotional boundaries and those emotional deadlines can have such a big impact on these big decisions. But there's, there's nothing like an impending deadline to get stuff done. So I guess that's that's kind of what drives those behaviours. Um, so it, it just kind of changing tack a bit, in, in relation to like the Australian market and particularly with your perspective as an investor, um, what do you think we can do in the next few years to keep, I mean, you, you've made a comment around some storylines and some case studies around successful exits and things, but what else do you think that we could do to keep kind of promoting this asset class from through the investor lens to to make sure that we've got that domestic support? Look, I do think it would be wonderful if it was picked up by one of the business schools locally. Mm. Um, I think that it, it is somewhat awkward that anytime you're talking to someone and they're asking you for some research material, um, some uh, general material, you, you find yourself handing out this ISA, Stanford, Oxford, Harvard stuff. Um, it, it needs a champion at Melbourne Business School or ANU or wherever to, to grab it. And um, I think that would make a very substantial difference to start to be pumping into um, our annual intake of fresh, smart young people, people who've spent 13 weeks thinking about nothing but search in a formal sense. Uh, that to me would be be really great. Hopefully the right school, hopefully the right person leading it. And I'm very confident it will happen. But um, mm. that to me would be a big a big improvement. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know, uh, yeah, you're right. It is it is kind of interesting when the, the links that you go to send to people when you're trying to give them a, a pricey of the industry really are offshore links. And you're trying to say, no, it's here in Australia, you know, it's got good momentum. And yet you're right, we, we don't really have that support. Um, it's something that um, hopefully, I mean, I know that there's a few of us in, in the market that have had discussions with various universities. Um, hopefully it's something that they can start to realise when they see these big schools offshore doing it successfully and supporting it successfully. They don't see it as being something that's kind of completely abnormal. I mean, definitely something that I've seen in a few of the schools here is there's a lot more entrepreneurship at least 
Um, you know, there's there's at University of New South Wales, UQ, um, you know, and various others that I've seen here, um, you know, head of entrepreneurship, um, head of ventures, head of that kind of, those kind of titles are starting to come through the universities. So it's almost like they've got the the MBA kind of corporate path and they've jumped all the way to the other end of the spectrum and started supporting the the startup part. Um, they just need to fill in the gap with um, with the search opportunity and the, and the ETA opportunity. Um, I, w- I was um, really privileged the other day to be a day chair for a day for a, a Harvard Business School um, professor who did an Australian tour um, and it, w- it was a great day, but at the end I had dinner with um, Felix and he was interesting because he sort of said to me, of that cohort that's coming through Harvard, which is obviously a big and prestigious and fairly well-curated group of people, you've, you've got a group who are heading off to family businesses and that's that's wonderful. You've got a group who are very driven by the kind of status thing of, of getting big jobs and they, they, they want to be in a JP Morgan or a Morgan Stanley and 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 up at the top and that's important to them and, and that's great. And then as you say, you've got this whole kind of let's see if we can knock the ball out of the park and we might have three things that stutter and die but the fourth may win in the sort of VC thing. But for someone who doesn't teach in the search fund thing, is not familiar with it, his depth of knowledge of it amazed me and he was like, well, this is the key place people should be going. You know, if you mm. don't want to big C-suite job in a big major organisation, if you're not walking into a major family business your family owns, and if the whole VC tech world sounds a bit risky, search is an absolutely logical place for you to head. And I was just thinking, wouldn't it be great if that mindset ported into our um, business school environment? Mm, mm. Because it does, you're right, it gives it that it gives it almost that um, that gravitas that then the investors can start to see a connection. It's not it's not something that's um, that's out of the ordinary. It's something that's actually really supported by proper institutions. Um, so um, again, a, a, another kind of angle, as we discussed at the beginning, um, you've you've kindly offered to open the forum um, next month um, with the keynote speech and give us a kind of overview of of the market and what you've seen. Um, in Australia and and search um, in this region over the last couple of years, um, in terms of the forum itself and and that coming together of of that group of people, what are the kinds of things that either you or you're hoping that others will be able to get out of the uh, out of the day, and and what do you think we should be focusing on to try and extract from that session? Look, I think the the point I made at the outset about this this is a group of people who are well up the curve, that they're not going to be there unless they're deeply interested in this topic. What I think I hope they get is the opportunity to do a, to do a deep dive in the in the bits that might interest them. Mm. To me, you know, following the chats you and I have had, it really feels that it sometimes is difficult for people to get a real lens on, you know, what do family office investors think? What are the issues that that that, that go around in their head? What are the competing other asset classes that are held up against all of that? And, and I think I'm going to concentrate on really sharing that and having people have a, okay, when I walk in the door of a family office in Melbourne or Brisbane or Sydney or whatever, I've got a real sense of, of where these guys are coming from. Mm-hmm. And I think other people will be talking about, you know, how you get banks to fund you into a transaction, how you do deal structures, et cetera. And f- for any participant, particularly someone who is, is either early on in search or, or is contemplating search, I think 
they're going to come to the table with particular strengths. You know, maybe they were a financial analyst at, at Bain and Company or whatever. They've got a lot of strength in some areas, but they'll be self-aware to the fact that they've got a range of weaknesses. And I think the great thing about the forum is going to be to be able to say, okay, well, I'm not going to go to the deal structuring thing or I'm, I'm not going to focus on that, but I do really want to understand these other bits. And I think that kind of smorgasbord that you've put together is going to work really well. Mm-hmm. And that's why effectively we've, I'm glad that it's playing out that way because what we were trying to do is, if, as you say, provide a bit of a, a smorgasbord so people can say, I want to do this, 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 and this. And then there's a list of other people that I want to catch up with. So we've, we've injected a, a whole bunch of free time effectively into that schedule throughout the day. So there's enough opportunity for people to seek out those that they want to get an introduction to or spend some time with. So I think that should play out quite nicely. So I'm definitely really looking forward to it. Obviously, it feels like it's been a bit of a long time coming, but now we're only we're only a few weeks out now and it's all coming together. And I think we've got a great venue. We've got a great list of people that are going to be putting on some sessions and plenty of time to network, as I said. Thanks very much for your time this morning. It was great to catch up. I'm grateful to have the opportunity to catch up with each of the speakers in advance of those sessions. So those that are coming to the event have a chance to hear a bit from you before that time and looking forward to seeing you in the next few weeks. Great. Thank you very much, Pete. Good talking to you. Not a problem. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Next Step. I hope you enjoyed it. If you're joining us at the 2022 ETA Forum in Manly, I look forward to seeing you there. If you haven't already bought a ticket and this episode lit the spark, please head to etaforum.com.au to book your place and we'll see you in September.